Ladies and gentlemen, it is on like Voltron once again. And to close out Filipino American History Month, I want to bring you the future of Filipino American comedy, Mr. Nathan Masha. Hello. <laughs> that's my special that's your specialty <laughs> no 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 i've seen you online i see you opening for joe i see you doing all this craziness i had to have you on the show bro yeah, and i'm so I'm happy excited. to have you here on crazy funny asians welcome yeah this is cool yeah <laughs> we were already talking before this that's why i see we were talking so before this i try to yeah. i try to make it as comfortable as possible because this is the first time we're meeting yeah. But you're doing the miscellaneous. That's so true. Yeah. yeah this, you're doing the, when this comes out, we will have done the miscellaneous brown karaoke yeah. comedy spectacular, which yeah. is awesome. And I'm glad that you're on my show now. You'll be on my shows all the time whenever you want to be on my wow, shows. Wow, thanks. I'm yeah. putting it out there right now. Oh, whenever you want it. to be, you see, you see a fly and you're like, Eric, can I be on the show? Go ahead. You're on the show. <laughs> no, because seriously, like, I love your comedy. I, I love your message. And I love the multifaceted aspects of of the way you're like. I mean, yes, you're 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 a stand-up comedian, but mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, you're you're developing into this multifaceted artist. Yeah, you know, I, and and I'm really I'm really admire that, and I'm and I wanted you to talk about that and see how your journey, uh, as to how you did that. So yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it the whole break from comedy, but <laughs> yeah. when I came back, I had to reevaluate um, what why exactly I did anything sure you know and um what i realized is that um i had a con my whole identity was was consumed into comedy mm -hmm. um and i had to detach myself from that sure because sure. it's incredibly unhealthy yeah um <clears throat> like I, living through comedy and that's it you well, i was finding my my worth in mm. comedy and not only that was i had removed myself from any sense of community because i had built it in college um, and I kind of found a community in college through this comedy club that me and my friend Austin Nassau started. Okay. And then we left that and I no, had so tell me found myself. That. Tell me about that yeah. comedy club. Tell me, tell me the process. Tell me how you started. You were in college. Yeah. So I was in high school first, oh, you, right? Okay. You were in high school. And, uh, so I started in high school and, uh, you started stand up when you were 17 years old, right? Yeah. And senior, senior year of high school, I would go to this open mic called The Spot Cafe, hosted by LG Ross, who I believe still hosts a Saturday version of that where they give feedback. Okay. Uh, so I go there once a week, and then uh, and then I eventually try to take the bus out to like Hollywood. Uh, the take first the bus. It was terrible. Okay, everybody who doesn't live in LA understand that taking a bus in yeah. LA is a that's a journey. Well, it's like <laughs> it's like if Greyhound offered shorter rides. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, it. that's the perfect. That is the perfect description yeah. of the LA public transit system. But yeah, uh, yeah. So they're getting better. But yeah, they are getting better. Yeah. So um, I would do it once a week because it was close by, and then I attempted to. Uh, and then there was the West Side Comedy Theater, mm -hmm. which is close by. So I because you live on the West Side, yeah, okay. Culver City. So then I did that place. But uh, I remember I tried to take the bus out from Culver City, mm -hmm. and so I, I would leave at like three p.m. Wow. and it would take me like two hours to get there. So I remember the first mic I did on the bus was Sal's Comedy Hole, yeah, uh, which is like the worst possible place. <laughs> Why do you say and, that? Because uh, it's garbage just, just, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's rock. Shout out to Sal's Comedy Hole. <laughs> There's, it's called a comedy hole. Like that's it's not like, a good that's name. That's where it is. Yeah. So it was Sal's and Rock Paper. There was like Rock Paper Coffee used to have six p.m. mics every day. So, okay. So and they were right next to each other. So I could skateboard out there. Nice. And then do two mics back to back. But so the, the first I remember the first time I took a bus out, I went to Sal's. I didn't know that people get there super early. So I was like last on the list. I got. Took the bus at 3, got there at 5.30, wasn't up till 8 p.m. You know, mm. so it's a five-hour track to do five minutes in front of nobody. Wow. Uh, and I was so mad. And then, uh, oh, and then my mom's like, what are you doing out 
you know, or she knew I was going, but she was like, I don't want you taking the bus home at 8 p.m. It's uh, It gets late and it gets kind of rowdy. I'm like Venice and La Brea. She's scared yeah. of that area. So she came to pick me up. Especially at 17 years old. Yeah. 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 And uh, as a Filipino American, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so that was pretty terrible. And then, um, so, I, but then I met a guy at my church. Okay. Um, he doesn't do stand-up anymore. He's a screenwriter and okay. TV writer. Um, Sometimes it happens like that because you play with words so much with stand-up that you Yeah, so he would write one-liners and he, um, his name's Tyler Green. Cool. And he's a good friend of mine. And um, yeah, so he did one-liners, but he was doing all the big alt shows and starting to do the clubs. And, and sure. he did Nerd Melt, uh, the, oh. melt the Meltdown. He was a regular on the Meltdown. Wow. Because it before it closed, correct? Because it's not, it's, yeah. it is no more. But and this that was, was when a, it was like popping. That, that, that show was legendary yeah. back in the day. He proposed to his wife on that show. and I think So this cat, you met this cat? Yeah, through my church. Okay. Yeah, so. But anyways, he got offered a... He got a manager, and then they were like, do you write stuff? He wrote a script, and then he got a writing job, and they found he liked writing better than stand-up. Sure, sure. But, so I met him, uh, Some oh yeah, just someone, uh, yeah, just at my church was like, oh, you do stand-up? Like, you should meet Tyler Green, he does stand-up. So we had, we met up after church, and then he's like, well, I live in Torrance, and you're in Culver City, and I go to Hollywood, so you're on the way. So let me just drive you to open mics. That's um, awesome. It was amazing. Yeah, um, and... Yeah, I, I always, like, he was my first mentor. Um, right. and, and still is, like, a, if I want to write, he's a mentor for definitely, that. Definitely, definitely. Um, and even with stand-up, he knows just, like, the the logistics of well, and, and how it works, knows, you know? The, the, the accessibility and value of having a mentor, especially in the comedy game, yeah. is so... It's, it, it's, it's priceless. It's really. huge. You need it. Because... because as as young comics were so aggressive, yeah, and 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 sometimes a little bit angry, yeah, you know, and and to have somebody who know and, and can show you the ropes a little bit, even just to be able to drive you and not have to get having to take the bus is such an empowering thing. Yeah, it was really amazing. The first night we did it, so he drove me. We did two open mics, and then we um, and then we went to a show. Mm -hmm. I think we went to um. I don't know if we went to Meltdown that night, but we went to, I feel like we went to What's Up Tiger Lily. Okay. Um, which is, is not. This still, is this still going now or no? I don't know, but it was like a huge show. Yeah, that was a show huge show. That was a well, why, I mean, there are shows that will run for a little bit, and yeah. then the guys who created start going on to bigger projects because yeah. they realize that these guys. I'm pretty sure that was the first one we went to. And it was, I just remember because Nick Thune was on it and I had been like, I had his album on my iPod. Jeez. Yeah, I had about like 10 different comedy albums on my iPod. See, but that's the trip of Los Angeles too. Yeah. Is that you can kind of, you have this like group of people who just live here. Yeah. And you don't realize that they'll just pop up. Yeah. And wow, you're, you're here with me. Yeah. <laughs> he, show. He did a joke that later got on TV and his albums and stuff, but I, I remember the I remember a few of the jokes he did. But yeah, mm -hmm. the one, he's like, enough is enough. They're the same word. <laughs> <laughs> but but so, let me ask you, how did you, because you've been doing stand-up now for how long? Yeah, so it'll be about seven years. Yeah, seven years. So I, I try to lie to tell Love people, you know, you, you seven years, well, yeah, four years. Seriously, <laughs> don't evaluate me. You know, you're like, don't, <laughs> no, don't judge me based it's, on it's the years. It's not even that. So, so you, you, you were doing open mics, and then you, you said you started a comedy club in college. Yeah, so I was doing. School. What was that? What, I was doing open, that in high school. I was doing open mics, uh, basically once a week or mm -hmm. something. And then if he, you know, he would drive me out like once every other week, and we would do like three sets and go watch a show. Sure. Uh, and then he knew um, Paige Weldon and Robin Higgins. Okay. Paige still does stand up. Robin does sketch. Okay. And they were going to UCLA at the time, uh, and they had a weekly show. Okay. Uh, called Brewing Up Some Comedy, I think. At and, on campus. Yeah, at the coffee house, and uh, and he said you should talk to them and see if you could take over the show when they leave because they're graduating. Mm. So then I talked to Paige. And she was like, oh, well, the way it works is, you know, we can't hand the show because it's run through an organization on campus. Ah. So you have to register an organization 
and go from there. So so I just re-registered. You know, I recreated this. It was stand-up at UCLA. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I recreated it, and I just, like, registered it. And so my goal was to just run comedy shows. Like, that was just an avenue. It wasn't supposed to be a legitimate club where people were members of it. And stuff. Mm-hmm. It was going to be me and whoever wanted to run the shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just an avenue to run a Just an show. avenue for you to do it through Exactly. Yeah. But the first week of school, I get a message from this guy, Charlie. And he's like, oh, I um, started another club called Shenanigans. And, uh, oh, no, no, I get two messages. So the first one is from... Uh, the on-campus housing council, mm-hmm. and there's a programmer. They program events and stuff. And he's like, "Oh, well, you know, we wanted to do a, op- a welcome week, like a, a first quarter comedy show." Mm-hmm. And so we were looking up comedy clubs on campus. And so my club was the only one that existed. So he reached out to me. He said, "We want to do a big show." So he, I got to book a show, and it was like crazy. I, it was like 160 people showed up because they promote in all the dining halls. Like so, everyone who's sitting sees a flyer, right? <clears throat> and um. And so, yeah, I booked this comedian, Leo Flowers, because he was the first comedian I ever saw the, at the Spot Cafe. Mm. And he was amazing. And he still is amazing. Uh, and so I booked him to headline. And then I got all my friends to do sets. Yeah. Um, and and I got two UCLA. I got Robert Higgins and this guy, Dan Olin, who did the UCLA Laugh Bowl, which was sure. like a... Laugh Factory competition, but it was a college college guys. Yeah, um, one of they, them they were graduated, but they went to UCLA. Right. And, okay. Uh, and yeah, it was a it was a uh, terrible, not terrible. It was uh, like like having run shows. It's, you know, I gave everyone fifteen minutes, <laughs> and then he and then the headliner went. On. I did fifteen minutes as a host. It was like wasn't the best setup. Sure. But uh, yeah, so I did this huge show. It went really well, and then. Uh, Charlie, that other guy, he was part of Shenanigans. He started his. He wanted to start his own comedy club, and so he reached out to me. And then my friend Austin was part of that club. That kid Charlie quit like right away. He was like, "I'm too overwhelmed. I can't do this." So then Austin becomes the president of it, <laughs> this club that just started. Austin is at the show. Okay. Um, he's like, "Wow, that's really cool." So we talk. We become friends, and so eventually, yeah. So. We're, we're like, oh, he wants a legitimate like club. He wanted a club that was like, uh, I mean, he had a vision for the club that the club's huge now. It's like a hundred members, and apparently, we I met, I saw the president recently at um, at a coffee shop, mm-hmm. my friend Akila, and and she says there's two hundred people in the group chat or something, but it's like a hundred people in the club, like bona fide members. And it's exactly, but it's it was never my vision. It was my friend Austin's vision. Okay, okay. Because he envisioned the club as a comedy hub on campus. Like he wanted a place that all the comedy clubs could like be a part of. Sure. Like the improv teams and the sketch, everything as a way to like conglomerate everything. Yeah, well, and because everybody wants to laugh. And you just put everything all together, but then you rotate everything and have an improv yeah. show and have improv. yeah yeah. And eventually, he ended up starting all those facets. So now they have an improv branch, a sketch branch, a web van, but they still have a quarterly comedy show, Welcome Week Comedy Show, where they have all the improv teams on the campus, all the stand-ups, and all the um, I don't know if they have the sketch stuff. Yeah, sketch. They they have they do they executed his vision, which is mm. really cool. Um, he's gonna be like a fucking CEO of oh, some comedy well, organization. See, and I look at these smart kids. I look at you, and I look at what you're doing. Mm. And so you started. You helped build a comedy organization. <clears throat> yeah. So I was a stand. So I was just focused on my mo was I want to run shows and I want to book people I look up to mm-hmm. um, and, and open for them or perform with them. Sure. So that was my, all, all I cared about was getting more stage time and doing that. So when we first started, we didn't even have any, we had, uh, it was me, Austin, my friend Chris Valenzuela, this girl, Lulu, uh, who else was part of it? Um, Kylie Chang and uh, this girl, Natalie, who was part of it. There's like a few people, but it was like very small. And they would kind of meet up and they would, oh, there was a brief period where people would meet up and like kind of pitch jokes to each other, like, sure. a, like a comedy writing round table and stuff. That'd be, that would be Yeah, wonderful. Luke Moran was Even there. Even if it's just sometimes where you kind of get a little bit a little bit of inspiration and then you go off and you yeah. write, write a little bit. Yeah, so there was a brief time with that, but then it, and then it became like 
just a few of us and we would talk about our shows. So we'd con- we'd continue to run shows that would always be successful, but it wasn't. So you've been running shows all throughout high school yeah. and college, which exactly is- like. And I I left college thinking I was gonna stop. To, I was like never run any shows, just be on shows because it was so stressful. But then I missed it, and now I'm and now I'm back. I'm like, yo, I want to be like before. I was uh, in college. I was running. Uh, I was so I was helping with the club, right? So we had our quarterly show. We had uh, then I would book the headliners. Mm-hmm. Then I had a monthly show. Then I had a weekly show. Then I had a podcast. And then and then on uh, shows just affiliated through UCLA. My mm-hmm. friend counted. We were doing a hundred shows a year, producing a hundred shows a year. And that wasn't including like the sketch shows, the improv shows. That was just shows that we as standups got to perform on. And then we started reaching out to clubs. A hundred shows in one year yeah look at homie you know what one school year do you know how many flyers i made to celebrate my one year anniversary of 12 shows in miscellaneous (laughs) brown's karaoke comedy spectacular yo that is incredible yeah 100 shows at what age i don't know 21 you see when i tell you that this cat is the future of filipino american comedy it's the truth because you're like a savant when it comes to producing shows bro that's awesome i mean they weren't all great you know Homie, just the fact that they got done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I just did, I just did, I just produced my my first Crazy Funny Agents show yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. To much success. Love you, Chicago. Thank you for showing up, coming out, selling out. It was great. Yeah, it was a it packed house. really cool. But, yo, I had a fucking nervous breakdown before that damn show. Oh, no, yo, I had, I had it many, is hard work, had, uh, man. Many, that is hard work. And the, and the, the fact many that you panic attacks. Many, many panic attacks. Goodness gracious, man. Yeah. So, I want to talk about the break now. Because you had, you were doing all the stuff and, sh- and producing 100 shows a year. Yeah, and college, doing full-time college. And doing full-time And doing college. like 8 to 10 sets a week. Right. Yeah. And now, and then, so when did the break come? When, when did that happen? When did uh, you stop? Well, so, I mean, my mental breakdown in retrospect started, like, my descent into... Um, like my first time trying medication was mm-hmm. senior year of like I had gone to ther- like when I came to college and was like doing stand up and wanted to be a stand up but I was still an engineer. Mm-hmm. Did I even t- I don't even know if I told you that I no. came to school as a biomedical engineer. Gotcha. And then I because you wanted to be a doctor and a surgeon. Yeah, yeah. But I had already had a conversation with my parents before school started. Like, hey, just so you know, this might not work out because I'm really obsessed with stand up. Right. Right. And um, so I'll. And then we came to consensus, give it a year and then, and then we'll see. But engineering is, is um, you don't have any leeway in your class choices. So no, you take a yeah. year, that's strictly engineering. And they tell you to put off your electives till the last, because that's when it gets harder so that you do your, your more fun classes at the end. Right. So after a quarter, I was like miserable. Like I hated it so much. Right. And I couldn't do stand-up at all, and I was crying all the time. Stressed out. Yeah, yeah so that's that was when I first started going to therapy. They have, like, their, their um, uh, the therapist on campus. So okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Great. They, they have once a – you could see them 10 sessions in a, in a year. So it's, like, once a month. Yeah. But that's still pretty incredible, especially to have as an asset just free or uh, – Yeah, free. That's yeah. pretty fucking cool. Yeah, UCLA has recently ramped it up as well, and I think they were, like, notice, being noticed for, like, one of the best – they have one of the best mental health. That had to have been such a fucking godsend for you. I mean, that really – Yeah, it helped a lot. Um, and so that was happening, and I did that for, like, almost – two. A year or two, and then, uh, and then I uh, one summer I just or one at the end of the school year I forgot to go. Uh-huh. I missed it, and then that summer happened, and I just started like feeling better, and so I just didn't go back, mm-hmm. and then um, which I probably should have, you know. Sure, but sure. yeah. So, but then senior year of college, so the summer before senior year, mm-hmm. I went to New York. Uh-huh. So I had this idea that I that you can't get good at... St- I still kind of have this idea that you can't become a great stand-up comedian. Unless you can play in New York. Yeah, or just as, as long as you... It's like it's like training. My friend describes it as... He's from New York. And, mm-hmm. and, or not from New York. He's from LA, but he does stand-up in New York. Sure. And he's like, people will talk about going to New York and they'll be like, oh, I spent three months in there. Like, I... You know, I feel like I'm like... They say... Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm like got that New York tightness to my set, and he's like com- comedians out in New York are like I've been here eight years. I'm still trying to get tight. Like, <laughs> and he describes it as like people are like, oh, I was there for three months. I-, I I know how New York is, 
And he's like, no, that's like saying you went to boot camp for a little bit. Right. He's like, you have to finish boot camp. Right. So at some point, I'd like to spend two years out there. Sure. I know. I feel um, you. I've yeah. always wanted to live in New York. Yeah. Like I've always, in some way, shape or form, always wanted to live in New York. I don't know. When or how. How or when or. If you know, I life, life comes up. It's hard. Yeah. It, you know? it, well, and I have two kids now. So it's, exactly. it's, it's a weird, different you thing. You never know. But. So so he so I uh so my plan was to move there after mm-hmm. graduation or or potentially. So then I said I need to spend a summer out there and like get to know the place. Sure. So yeah. I applied to internships out there and so then I got an internship. And so I went out there and did stand up for like 3 months. And um yeah, I was like really depressed. And sure. in retrospect, I was incredibly isolated. Like I thought I was going to like hang out with all my friends and stuff that I knew from there, but they had jobs. They had New their York own is spots. So fast, man. Yeah. If you, that you, you, if you don't, if you can't have, if you don't understand the pace of New York, yeah. you can be a very lonely dude because yeah. people would just be. And I lived all the way on 168th street. Ooh. So really North. So I was, I was far away from anything. So, yeah, so I, I did my job, you know, I mean, there's people cool there, but the job, even the job, the jobs, the in, I mean, it wasn't a job, I didn't get paid. The internship sucked because they didn't give a shit to do, so I would just be on my laptop, like, all day writing mm. jokes and doing other stuff. Well, but at, that yeah. actually would be great for you, especially, I mean, yeah. personally at least. But to be there for eight hours and not get a single thing to do that, was just like, why the suck. fuck did you make me come here? Yeah. And then get on me for being late. It's like... I don't have oh, yeah, shit. What to you do. want me to be late for? I'm not late yeah. for anything. Yeah. Oh so, lord. So that place is they ban- they got went bankrupt and so fuck. That's it. probably but, why. Yeah. Fuck. And I've heard bad things. I mean, no. They, there were some people that were very nice to me there, but uh, yes. So uh, yeah. So then uh, in New York, that's when I started to, and then also. Which I can't really talk about in detail, but my sister had a had a breakdown. Sure, okay. That really ripped my family to shreds. So it was one of those things where your family there was drama with your family. There was you're not feeling like you're in a place where you want to be. Yeah. I was so, doing a long long distance with this with my first girlfriend. Ooh, long first distance. Long Let me see if yeah. you would have been hanging out with me. I've yeah. been your wingman. I've been like, oh, you don't want to. Just playing. No, so, but sometimes you just got to do. Yeah, so I remember like nights where I just couldn't sleep till like four a.m. Wow. And I didn't know that that was like, you know, I didn't realize until later that that was like starting to be symptomatic of stuff. Sure. And so then, and then I went to college. Like, you know, back to school. Sure. Senior, and it was senior year. And that's when I started, like, freaking out. Because I started thinking about how I'm about to graduate. Mm. And I'd put all this pressure on myself because, you know, you listen to podcasts. or I mean, there's so much access to comedy um, stories or information or Wikipedia yeah. pages. And I would read those things like crazy. Yeah, me too, bro. And we all do it. And so... You know, I would look at those success stories, like, you know, and so, like, I would think of those people, like, a Morgan Murphy getting a, a, a writing job before she graduated, or, you know, I would compare myself to certain friends that were mm-hmm. having more professional yeah. opportunities, and so, in my head, I need, and especially coming from the doctor background, you know, you graduate, then you go to med school, so you have something lined up when you graduate, right. or a job. Sure. So, I thought, I need, I need to have like professional proof that I'm going to be a professional, like out of college. Sure. And I need a segue from college into a job. Yeah. yeah. You always got to write your segues, man, right? Your segues yeah. are more important yeah. sometimes than the jokes. So that's what I was freaking out about. It was like, cause I didn't, I switched to English with no plan of like job. This was just purely to give me time to do stand up, And I tried to do, you know, I was an English creative writing major. In college, which is what I would have, I would have no, done no. that. I started as a political science man oh. because I was supposed to be a lawyer. Yeah, and had the same type of sit down talk with my yeah. parents because I took an acting class. And yeah. I was like, look, I might want to do this. Yeah, and anyhow, everybody's heard my story. Oh, part well, of part of what I'm writing is part, what I wanted to. If yeah. I if I could have gone back to college, uh, I would have applied for creative writing, mm-hmm. but. Those programs are so expensive. So yeah, no, there's and, really no way I could have done creative writing. One well, and one of those, the thing about it is, is college for me was about finding yourself. Yeah, and I think 
in a lot of ways, listening on your experience, college was yourself. You literally trying to find yourself and your path. Yeah, I think so. And and it's funny because when you were telling me about how you were worried about what was next, yeah. I, I found myself in that same spot and I had some wonderful, wonderful advice from my men, one of my mentors, wow, that's... Um, Jane Alderman, who was a casting director for years and years in, mm-hmm. in Chicago. She cast Ferris Bueller's Day Off. She cast The Blues Brothers. Wow. She cast Untouchables. It's like huge. she cast huge movies, right? Yeah, that's and she true. cast me in my first movie yeah. and my first TV show. And... I remember I got back from LA my first pilot season. I was dejected. I thought I was going to quit acting. And then, and uh, she gave me this advice. She said, Eric, don't ever worry about other people climbing their ladders because you'll fall off yours. That's beautiful. And it blew my mind because I was like, you're right. I'm worried about this cat over here who booked his TV series. And I'm worried about this woman over here who wrote a play. And I'm talking about this one over here who's doing this successful thing. And this one over here is a national commercial. And here I am with blue fucking hair, broke as fuck, working at Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah. What the hell am I doing? Right? And she's like, don't worry about that shit. Oh, see, I fell off my ladder and broke my leg. Yeah. And I couldn't walk. And and, and, and so you had to take a break. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, yeah, so I started getting panic attacks that year uh it, it, my relationship ended all because of that because yeah. like i was just freaking out you sure know, i couldn't make decisions you know just like i would i would be like i'm t- you know tired i'm gonna go hit an open mic later or something and then i remember i you know i'm with her and we're like let's go back to your dorm and take a nap but the whole nap i can't sleep and then i wake up and then i'm freaking i'm like should i go to this open mic but i'm so stressed but i have to but then she's like, why don't you just not just hang out with me? And I'm like, uh, 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 I'm going to go. Bye. It is like, she's like, what the fuck? You know, and her friends were like, it's hard. Yo, yeah. you can't, this isn't on you. This is about, about him right now. So, um, and so, yeah, so that just started and then I, and then I started going to therapy and then, yeah. and then I got on Lexapro. And I'll tell you, man, that, part of the reason why I wanted you on the show, okay, is because yeah. you're a young dude, you're a young stand-up, you're a young artist. And you understand and realize the importance of therapy. Yeah. Because I talk about my therapy therapy experience yeah. all the time. And as a culture, we as as Asian Americans, as Pacific Filipinos, sometimes therapy isn't really an option in our head. Yeah. And I really wanted you to talk about that because have you seen uh gary gullman's new special no i haven't so it's called the great depression and it's entirely about his depression and it has documentary footage like they filmed him actually in a psychiatrist office wow it's beautiful i saw it live while i was depressed people were people really don't realize the value of like i said just talking to somebody else somebody that doesn't know you but can listen to your situation and maybe assess yeah. A few of the things that can help you to... Yeah, and then they also... T- the number one indicator of therapy success is the relationship between the therapist and the patient mm. and nothing else. Um, and a big thing that they say with psychotherapy is it's reframing your idea of what a healthy relationship is. Mm. And that's huge because yeah. you don't always have that person in your life. And thankfully... I not only have a therapist, but I have people like my friend Alex Payne in New York or um, now my parents, thankfully, I'm sure. able to be honest with. But like you need that friend that is going to tell you what you need to hear yeah, from an unbiased perspective when you need to hear it. And so that's what a therapist, they're paid to do it. So it's like they're going to do it. Well, it's their job and they were trained and they know, yeah. you know, they work with people like us that need yeah. therapy yeah. and 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 they know how to help us and it's 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 like i said if if there's anybody out there who thinks that they need need therapy don't hesitate if you have the means look for somebody and and even one of those you know hotline numbers just yeah. to just to be able to call cuz i remember my first Oh yeah you're allowed to uh, call them just to talk yeah, yeah. just talk and see and, 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 and see if it might be something that could help you. Because yeah. if you're in a space right now, like Nathan was in, yeah, you know, therapy can help. So tell me, how did it, 
Yeah. Talk about the Phoenix now. Talk, tell so, me how, how you yeah. started back. What, what happened? What, what, made, what brought you back to comedy then? Oh, you don't even... Should I... Do, do, you can. You can if you, it's if, if you want to go into it. Because I don't, I don't, wanna, I don't want you to go into anything that oh, you don't feel comfortable with. No, I mean, because it's such a long... like It's like the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> it's the descent into insanity. Except I don't murder people. I just hurt myself. But I, I feel you. Um, yeah, so... Um, we only got an hour, so maybe let's let's go to the uplift because yeah, because because, because really, I want to talk about that because yeah, I mean I have a, I wrote a whole show about it, so I don't yeah, need to talk about because you got yeah. your one man show. Yeah, you got, yeah. You got, tell me the net title of the one it's man. It's called show. Nathan Mosher is injured. Nathan Mosher is injured. Yeah, that's awesome. And that it it the theme is or the the name comes from you know, I feel like the the full story is this relationship where I move. I go through breakdown and then I come back to stand up. But the 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 B story because I wrote it like a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the B story is, and I've always wanted to do a show about this. It's why I do stand up, and I really feel like I wouldn't be doing stand up if it wasn't for me getting injured in sports a mm-hmm. lot because that led me to um, to not be good at sports anymore, to get bullied to overcompensate to get to try and get girls and then i got cheated on and there, there's all these forms of injury that sure. i feel like yeah into, you know so i'm gonna tell you and brother, then i and then i get fucking mentally injured you know i so, want to yeah. tell you something really quickly because i had just a wonderful connection with you and i realize now that you're gonna be my little brother forever <laughs> no for real because you want to know what the, the title of my one-man show is yeah a fight club for one nice and it's the same type of thing. Yeah. It's my coming of age story of coming up, getting beaten, my, my ass beaten, getting uh, my ass bullied, yeah. and coming up as the only Filipino in Chicago. Wow. You know, whatever. I wasn't the only Filipino, yeah. but it felt like it, yeah. right? And and just being bullied and fighting and learning how to fight. Yeah. And not just fight, like physically fight, but yeah. fight for yourself, stand up for yourself. Yeah. Be confident in who you are. Yeah. And yeah, man, it's... We we are very similar oh, in a yeah. lot of ways. No, I, mean, I mean, we wouldn't be doing this. If yeah, it's true. It's true. But I'm I'm excited of the uh, the future. Yeah, because... I'm really excited about this show because I've been dreaming about this since since I started. Mm-hmm. So when I first started, I was obsessed with one liners like Stephen Wright, Mitch Hedberg, oh, um, great Dimitri Martin, legends, and uh, and and Zach Galifianakis. Those yeah. are like the big ones. And then I found out about Justin Nick later and like Nick Thunen. But Dimitri Martin has a one man show called If I, and it's fully on YouTube. It was produced through BBC. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm familiar. Yeah, yeah. And that show is if like just because I watched and doesn't mean I'm gonna do it. You have to think like I'm, I'm. It's possible, you know, and that show is what made me go. Oh, I think I could be funny because, because he was a really nerdy kid who wanted to be a lawyer, and I was not the class clown. I was in all AP classes, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I was a, I was funny to like one on one. Like I would distract people. Well, see, and I believe you. The one on one shit is harder. Maybe, yeah, you, for real. Yeah. Like, look at when I'm looking at you in the eye. And I can talk to you and I can tell you and then I can make you laugh out loud. You know how hard that is to do to make one on one you know what I'm saying? Because it takes, you, a, it takes practice. It's it's more it's it it takes more skill as a comic to be able to literally be able to tell your joke to somebody to their face yeah. and expect the laugh. Because if you know To be honest, that's kinda what I'm looking for when I perform now. Yeah. Because I'm thinking with this mentality of writing, especially with the one I show of like who is my crowd? Because like I'm doing your show, but I'm really trying to get people to my show. Correct. And 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 I'm looking at who is really connecting with my material because especially with what I'm talking about right now, it's not for everyone. And like no. I did a show in San Diego and I did the spot. There was one lady in the front row and there was a few people I could see who was not just laughing, but oh yes. You know, like that's connecting. Me. Yeah. Listening. I, get, I get off stage and she shakes my hand. She's like, "Amazing job!" And then I collect emails after, and she comes up. She's like, "Thank you so much." I'm like, I'm like five steps away from the hospital, and we like talk about mental health and all that stuff. And yeah. so it's like those are the people I need to reach, you know? Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, I was a kid in like ninth grade AP Bio who would bring dead baby jokes to class and tell them to the four people around him. <laughs> like that's yo, what I did. Yeah. Yo, and 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 and. 
I was the kid who, if you were going to tease me, yeah, or you were going to make fun of me, or you were going to do the two for flinching and punch me, I was going to crack on you. Yeah, and I was going to make fun of you, and I was, and, and I was going to use my voice that I have a very loud voice, and I was going to make sure the whole class heard it. Oh, uh, you yeah. know what I'm saying. So nobody was gonna mess with me anymore because I'd crack on you. I'd crack on your shoes. That's I'd crack dope. on your fucking yeah. feet. I'd That's crack great. on your fucking fingers. I'd crack on whatever yeah. I could crack on. I'd crack on your mama. I'd crack on anything because I was the only brown kid in the class. Yeah, my right? I think me being funny came as a way to get girls, to be honest, because that because it's it was I needed some sort of skill to like propel me to not get uh, bullied. <laughs> That's it. And um, obviously, being smart is great when you're in a no, being everyone hates smart people. So everybody hates smart people because not everybody is smart. Yeah, everybody thinks that they're smart. Yeah, but not everybody is smart because I I was the AP class too. Yeah, you know I was in the I was in all the honors classes too, in in high school. But yeah. in, in grammar school, I was held back from the honors classes because it was an all white school yeah. and like I I'm not yeah I'm not really sure but. Whatever. Yeah. We just say it like, you know, a lot of those dudes that I went to grammar school with aren't really very successful. <laughs> yeah. But they was in the honors classes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, like, I had a, I used to read a lot of like Freudian psychology, superiority complex. And mm -hmm. that's where you're like, you're not aware of what people think of you. No. And so I was smart, but I was like arrogant about it. Or, sure. Or at least just like unaware like well, i was and, so and, i was so consumed with like i'm reading books all the time that i didn't even think about like oh people think i'm a nerd but then in middle school it was like i remember i was in it's puberty it's for sure puberty which mm -hmm. changes it because you're like oh women don't like me though like and yeah. then you're like now or and then and then you start to care about what people think it's so. but it's funny how you were able to use laughter because it was the same with me man because yeah. they you, you know and you ask any woman what they would rather have. You want a six pack or a dude that can make you laugh. Yeah. And it's always the dude that can make you laugh. Yeah. Because, you know, the six pack goes away, the good looks go away. Unless the dude's ugly as yeah. fuck. <laughs> unless yeah, unless you got like a you know, a, a weird nostril. If he has money and he's funny and he's ugly as fuck, then they'll they'll fuck you. Oh but. dope. You're good. <laughs> I mean look at me. But if you're funny <laughs> if you're funny and ugly No see that look, the rule doesn't apply. No <laughs> It's no, fucked up. No, you look. First of all, guys, I want to say that Nathan, ladies, he's just very dreamy. He's like a Filipino <laughs> Keanu kind of like long haired. I was like, who's this guy here? I mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm a married man, but you know. <laughs> now this dude, look, he's a young dude, funny as hell, and. I feel like the world is at your feet, bro. Yeah, I mean, you've opened for how who you've opened for so many people already. Mm, just, I mean, I don't know. Maria I don't know Bamford, it, yeah, but I Joe like, Coy, come on, man. Who I mean, I didn't really open for Joe Coy. He dropped into my show, you but know, but still, yeah. Joe Coy drops in on your show, bro. Yeah, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, no, it is. It, it's pretty cool, and honestly, like this has all happened recently because of the and I. It's like the, the going through what I went through is like one of the greatest blessings no, I could yeah. ever ask for. Well, because because our journeys are our journeys. Yeah. That's why we go through it. Because, you know, sometimes I think about it. Because I've been in here in L.A., what, since 2006. Yeah. Right? And coming home and going home to do a show in Chicago put a lot of shit into perspective for me. Yeah. Right? I, I, I came home as an older cat putting on younger Asian American comics Ooh, and having a, a big, big show and it sh yeah. sold out and had people coming up with potential for future possibilities yeah. of other shows coming in the coming year, yeah. right? And I'm just, that the show happened on Saturday and then that Sunday, yeah, I just walked. I just walked my city. I straight up. Oh, just, that's beautiful. It was it was so beautiful. I, I straight up, I probably cried three times. Yeah. Like just in happiness of just realizing that because it's all a journey, right? Yeah. I, I, went, I, I think about like the therapy and all the weird craziness of yeah. like what I went through and the things that were going through my head. Because when, when Robin killed himself, mm -hmm. it, I was reading those articles, right? About how comics are all, you know, we all end up doing something stupid. which i don't i i want to qualify that whole thing which i don't like what they 
how they painted I hate that Robin shit. Williams as a poster child for depression because what really happened was he had a terminal illness yeah. that left him debilitated and unable to perform daily tasks. Yeah. And his whole uh, Like could you if you could be Robin Williams? How, how could, could you, you be? I, I couldn't I would yeah. right? But but the thing is So I don't I don't like how they paint him as this poster child of like depression finally got to him. No, the, no, no, his this illness got to him, and and it's life got to him. Life man. Got to let him. let him let him live live his let, yeah. he lived his life, and then he ended his life the way he wanted to. I'm not. I, however, we want to we could talk about that if we want to. But when when Robin did it, like it, it's you know that's where where I started. Yeah. Where I I knew I needed to talk to somebody else mm. besides my family, my friends, my and and. To see and remember that moment and how down and like not even just down but like you know in yeah. the darkness yeah. I was to walk in the streets of Chicago and taking pictures by the fucking bean with new gym shoes on and Ooh, you know what I mean like yeah. it, it was just it was a different kind of thing and comedy gave me all of that mm. stand up comedy gave me all of that and the independence the freedom. The the artistry that stand-up comedy gives us mm -hmm. is a different thing, man. Because we play with words and then we play with our own thoughts and our own memories yeah. to help us. I have, this, I have this joke in my show about... So yeah, the B story of the show is why I do stand-up. Because mm -hmm. that's always been the dream is to do a show about why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. Because I saw this band, the Us, the Duo... And it was, it's this band, they're a couple, and they got Vine famous. My sister went to see it. She said, can you buy, uh, if I buy tickets, you want to just, or can you, yeah, do you want to just come with me? And so I went, and they did a show where they, they told the story of them meeting and becoming where, what they are, mm -hmm. and falling in love and getting married through their music. Mm. And I thought, I want to do that with mm -hmm. comedy. So I just didn't have a story to tell until this, and... So everything, and I'm still shaping the materials, but everything I'm talking You're about is... You're going to be shaping the material for the rest of your life. Huh? Yeah. It's but, your story. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's you sharing your story yeah. for the rest. And, and stand-up gives us a vehicle to literally do that yeah. any and every night that we want to. Yeah. But yeah, so it, it goes through all of that. Like yeah. me getting injured, me getting cheated on, the bullying experience, like everything that led to me and... A big thing. So there's a part where I talk about this moment um, of, of you know, feeling like I lost comedy, mm. and I, and I talk about how like comedy is the only place that I felt like I could say coach put me in, you know, because with everything else, I was be on the bench, and if coach was like, hey Nathan, you're in, I'm like, oh fuck, they're doing so great though, you know, <laughs> and um, so comedy is that first place, you know. And so, yeah, I have this joke. It's like the, it's the closest thing to being good at basketball for me because every time a black dude laughs, I feel like I can jump. <laughs> you know? Oh, um, it's true, though. Yeah. Yo, because I, uh, your, your, your special was Dimitri Martin, right? Yeah. Kind of flipped your script. My special was Delirious. Oh. And just the storytelling that he had and all yeah. the different characters that he played. So for me, like I almost felt like I had to be a theatrically trained actor in order to be a stand-up comic because because of how I mean that's what I that's my holy grail. Yeah, is 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 the way that Eddie because I mean yeah even Eddie now he yeah. can still play all the different characters that he wants to play. Yeah, and so like Chappelle doing that when he hits a punchline and he slaps the mic on his knee and he hits you with that turn that's Ooh. like. That's like that James. That's like the James Harden step back, yeah, staring man. you down. Like you, you, you watch all the greats, and then you, and then you see, and then you like try to emulate. Yeah. I mean, it's not it, you don't try to copy, but you try to put your story into that mold. Yeah. Right. And it's a it's it's a beautiful thing because I man I connect. With, I didn't even realize that your show was very similar to. My, I mean, all the one man. All the one person shows. Yeah. When when it, when it's all said and done, they are a coming of age, a a development, a a, a, a what what's what's the word? Um, I'd love to see yours, by the way. Oh well, we you know talk, we should yeah. do no we, together. We'll, yeah, that'd be Let's amazing. Do that. I'd love to do that'd that. That'd be great yeah. because 
We should plan for that because uh, let's talk after. Yeah, this. we'll yeah. talk. We'll talk after. Mm-hmm. See this? You see? You see what happens on Crazy Funny Asians? Stuff comes together. We start per- thinking about doing a yin and yang fight club for one. Nathan Mosher is injured. Duo performance and set it all off. Or you might even do a tour. If you're if you're half Asian and half white and you're a comedian, choose the Asian. <laughs> White people have no solidarity. <laughs> oh, yeah, I gotta write that down. This guy, <laughs> this guy, I don't know how the hell. Look at my kids are half white and and half Filipino, and I'm just happy that they got green eyes and white privilege because they they don't get stared at in the mall like me. No, basically, he is literally writing down that joke. He wrote a joke. On the podcast, you better give me co credit on that because you wouldn't have wrote that shit. That was playing, bro. Now, Nathan, let me let me let me check the time on this because we could keep going. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I, I I listen, man. I I think that I wanted you to talk about your show, your poetry show, yeah, and the stuff that you're doing with that. And, yeah. So and, poetry was always like my first love, uh, and I would just write, you know, shitty diary poetry where it's like you know just venting. But I would always do it with the intention of being so cryptic and indecipherable that I would have to look back at it. Mm-hmm. It was like a way to go, oh, you know, I'm going to look back at this and not really understand it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to think really hard and relive the memory that sure. I wrote yeah. about. Yeah. So I used to do that. And at some points it would be every day. And I would... Whenever I was feeling bad, I would I would look back through it. Like I would reread from the beginning to where I was, and it would always make me feel better. Same whenever way. Whenever I feel, whenever I feel like I have writer's block, I always go back because I have my my college papers that I wrote. Yeah. And the college stories that I wrote when yeah. I was, and and I always go back and I read those, and I'm like, okay, I'm all right. Let's go. I got through this. I, yeah. I, I I can do this. I can figure it out. This was when. Motherfuckers were requiring me to write twelve pages, yeah. you know, or whatever it was. All I got to do is write a four-page sketch, yeah, you know, and I already got a premise. We can figure so, this out. Let's do it. So then, because of that, uh, when I started doing stamp, so you'd see my my first notebook has all poetry. And then there's a part where there's jokes, and it's still jokes and poetry, and then eventually it becomes all jokes. Mm-hmm. And but I started very detached, one-linery stuff, not personal. So poetry was the place I would vent. And comedy was just this new skill I was learning. But then eventually, as poetry left that space, mm-hmm. I, comedy became that space for me because I needed, you know, I needed to vent. Mm-hmm. So I started writing more personal stuff. Sure. And and then, um, but poet and poet, but poetry would live at the extremes. Like when yeah. I was when I was so fucking on edge that I couldn't vent it in comedy in any way possible. I had to write a poem, mm-hmm. but it was rare, you know. Uh, and then when I got to, um, what, I, then I found out about spoken word and mm-hmm. I was like, wait, you can perform this shit. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote my first spoken word poem. And then in the Bay, there was this mic where it was like 12 minutes mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's so much time. People reading poetry. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll read. And I had been with this girl that the relationship and that was the first person I read my like poetry to mm. and I never showed it to, or I showed it to like a few friends and stuff sure sure. it was like a very intimate thing oh and it always so, is man, she I, was, and she was a comedian so there's some poems in, that I haven't shown even my wife I just yeah. stuff I just stuff that I've wrote when I was a kid that's just me yeah. I, like probably the only person who's seen it is me that's great yeah Um, and yeah so she was in the crowd so I felt comfortable sharing it and I did it and it went really well and it has like punchlines in it too um, and it went really well so I was like oh I, I like doing this too and and so yeah, I just started kind of because your show is poetry, music, and stand up. Yes, yes, it's a variety. Yeah, kind so of it's, thing. it's tell it's, me the name of the show again. Nathan I, Mosier is injured. No, 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 no. The the, the other show, the the, your, the show that you just produced. Oh, sorry, the but waxing poetic, waxing poetic. That's yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've had that idea for a long time. So when I started to do poetry and go to these places and and watch it. Uh, I also had the idea, I watched Hassan Minaj's special and I had this idea. I was like, dang, I really would love to do like a special where I feature like a variety, like where I did stand up and then other poets did their 
poetry, but it like accented my stand-up. Like it would thematically fit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I had this vision. I saw this vision. Oh, I want an all black special. Like oh, everything's black. I'm wearing all black except the shoes color. And then uh, and just me and the mic. It's a black box theater. And then at the end, fucking the curtains pull up and there's a full choir and chance the rappers on the piano <laughs> and he's like bam, 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 and they're all colorful okay when you see that on nathan's netflix special okay you'll know that you heard it here first <laughs> so anyways i was just like i was dreaming about that and thinking about you know these poets these poets and stuff and then eventually when i started doing it i was like wait i should just write the poetry mm-hmm. uh but then i really wanted to see how those things interacted with each other sure because Neil Brennan's sh- three mics thing. Mm. His stand up, mind blowing. His stand up though doesn't thematically fit with the stories. I feel you. And I don't want that. I wanted a show where everything, like somehow, like the stand up was personal and the poetry was personal. So as I'm doing this waxing poetic show, recently I've realized I could have a comedian do straight up one liners and then have a poem and it'll fit. Mm-hmm. But but first when I thought I, I was like I want to figure out how this would work. Would I want the poets? And then a comedian, then a poet, then a comedian, or do all poetry, then comedy. But I just wanted to see how the art forms like. Well, the lineup is always it's always about the lineup and how yeah. you figure it out and how people are entertained. Like when I throw musical guests on the show, yeah. I mean, it's funny how your process of when you were younger, you were writing poems. Yeah. Right? And that's kind of how your artistic outlet when you were a kid. Yeah. Right? And it's funny how you created waxing poetic. This show where it combined stand-up comedy, your current love, with what you started out with, right? Yes. And and I it and comes here, full circle. And here I am, Miscellaneous Brown's Karaoke Comedy Spectacular, and I started out in a boy band. Wow. <laughs> singing, and I used to love just singing in my room, yeah, like singing along to like Michael Jackson and Phil Collins and Prince and yeah. shit, and because I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I used to sing in my room, just loved singing. Yeah. Just, but not. I wasn't like a singer, singer. I mean, I guess I could, I could yeah. sing, but the moment that I did on my show, on on the karaoke show, where I started actually like yeah. instead of just joking around singing, like actually singing, singing, was the moment that I realized I'm like I've just married the two things that I love to do yeah. throughout my whole life, and now I'm just I'm I'm doing a show about it. Yeah, and. It's pretty cool that we both have that in 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 the way that we developed our shows. That's again, yeah. man. This guy you, said, "You're my little brother." <laughs> this guy, this guy on um, I like Mike Mike Posner, uh, and he has a podcast called "What Does This All Mean?" And it's, mm-hmm. he interviews one of the most prominent music managers in the business, and he gives like seminars on uh, like career stuff. And he sure. says, "Build your." Uh, he said, build your career around your life, not the other way around. It's true. And so that's what we're doing is like our career is just built around our life. It, yeah. And it's a trip, man, because I, I guess, like I said, that, that the whole Chicago trip for me really did put a lot of stuff into perspective. Yeah, going back to where you came from. You know, it, going home and... Being able to accomplish what we, we, we as, I say we, because it wasn't just me, man. It was yeah. my best man at my wedding, who was my right wow. hand man. Yeah. It was, you know, Pratik uh, Shivastava. It was Jerry Tran. It was all these, it was oh, I know Jerry. Sandy Lee. Yeah. It was uh, Paul Choi. I mean, these, all these, and, and Lockie Siap, these guys, yeah. all these people who came together. I mean, we had this beautiful sushi dinner after yeah. the show, and just like, it was just this beautiful night. And It'd be funny if you guys had Panda Express after the show. Bitch. Panda <laughs> Express. Bro. No, it was great because Lockie hooked it up with the sushi restaurant. Uh-huh. And then the greatest part about it, and here's your little sneak peek for what's coming up for Crazy Funny Asians Chicago, is underneath the sushi spot that we ate was a little studio spot where we could do a show. Whoa, whoa. With a karaoke screen. Hell Yeah. And so we would probably do Miscellaneous Brown's Karaoke Comedy Spectacular under that sushi spot after the Crazy Funny Asian Show Chicago, which is probably going to be in February. That's legit. Just so you all know, and I've heard it here first. We're talking February. I'm probably going to be back, and we're going to go back to Crazy Funny Asian Chicago. But this time, I'm going to try and figure out a way to bring my man with me, Mr. Nathan. 
So, Joel, we might have to get an extra bed in the bathroom. No, <laughs> we'll get a hotel. Don't have to do it nowhere. If I'm bringing a whole crew, um, we'll get a hotel. Yeah, we'll I talk. About, I tell my friends about how everywhere I go for comedy, I just ask my mom who she knows. Mm. And she's like, oh, I went to high school with this guy, and he owns a warehouse where he sells seashells, so you can stay in a bed. This is a real thing that happens. Hey, yo, it, it's uh, a real thing because I, it gets expensive. They Philip, get, Filipino Airbnb. Yo, yeah. for real. That's how we do. Yeah, she just knows anyone in any city. So, guys, just watch out because we're going on tour next year. I'm just going to put it in the universe. Oh, yeah. I put it in the universe with uh, JB at the beginning of Filipino American History Month that we about to go to Cannes with that film, with that script that I wrote. Hell yeah. And I'm going to say it right here with Nathan. We about to go on tour. Filipino-American comedy. I'm not sure what the name of the thing is. It was Phil Am Def Jam. I'm not sure. We can't use Def Jam. Phil Am Def Jam. You like that, right? That's funny. I love that shit because I because I love the idea of Def, Def Comedy Jam because it, 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 it shows you like there's so many different styles and facets to African-American we can, comedy. We can tell you, we can talk more about this, but I went to this space last night called mm. the Pocket LA and it's a music venue and uh, and uh, um. The people did poetry, but it was mainly music. But that was something I was recently thinking about. Is like when when you hear about Dev Jam, they say they were tapping into this uptown underground Harlem vibe that was going on. This hip hop comedy that was happening that was that was untapped. And mm -hmm. they said this is we need to put this in the mainstream, right? And right now, and I don't know if it's an LA thing, but I thought with comedy that that doesn't exist anymore because death jam has become a stereotype so yes yeah. it's, it's you're not going to the black clubs and, and seeing that comedy no but the poetry venues that i've been frequenting is these young people of color a lot of black people but not just black people who are who are hip like woke or whatever you say they got the nice clothes on well, and, and this that they're not doing that same style of comedy right, right. and it's they they are the ones that go to therapy now they, they are the ones that are like in touch with their feelings and that whatever that is is that's what def jam is now that vibe and i saw it at that place last night and i've seen it at the poetry lounge i don't know if it's going on in new york but it doesn't exist in comedy right now especially in la and because those the black comics that are getting big they're going to the white clubs you know and they're getting on Comedy Central, and the, you know it's like I don't know where those spaces exist, or if well, yeah, that's, but that's, that's what I'm trying to find. Well, homie, I don't know that. For me, I stopped trying to look for them, and I just started trying to build them. Exactly. And so now that's what I want Waxing Poetic to and feel like. It's in Venice, so it's gonna be hard to. That's to, my goal. That's my goal with Miscellaneous Brown Karaoke Comedy Spectacular. That's my goal with Crazy Funny Asians. That's yeah. my goal with this podcast. Yeah. Right is to capture the vibe of this renaissance that's happening yeah. with people of color yeah. and how we are finding our actual voice. Not a voice that's looking for approval, yeah. but a voice of our actual story, our yeah. actual experience, our actual lives. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's where we're at now. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's not about getting approval from folks. It's not about getting a contract or getting yeah. on whatever TV show. It's about building yeah. our thing and re and then mainstream realizing that we're here and it's we're yeah. ready, we're, we're here. Yeah, it's like if if we make it hype then they just the the you know, I've been like reading a lot about streetwear. I watched that video on Supreme. It's like you just make it hype and then and then and then the business will come and they'll be like, whoa, the resale value on this is going to be crazy. It's a street level, ground level, grassroots yeah. thing where when you build it from that, from the grassroots, where it's one homie talking about it, another homie talking about it, another homie talking about it, another person sharing, another person sharing. And then you build it on a foundation of people who actually love what you're doing. Yeah. It's a different game. And yeah. that's what we're doing. It takes, it takes time. But I can smell it. It's better. It's better. It's, it's better. better that way. It's better because you realize more what you've built. Yeah. Um, but when you know that people are listening and they're actually hearing what you're saying in stand-up when they respond. Yeah. Or when, 
or when somebody says they listen to the podcast or when somebody comes up to you after the show and says you're really connected with me and I that's what I value more know? is like yeah. I, I never appreciate well because obviously also the voice in my head if you just tell me I'm funny I'm like you can say that to anybody yeah. I did it my first talent show in college I mean college in at high school right uh-huh. it's like 500 people in my high school and yeah. I did I did stand up and there was a girl who butchered a song you know and she, we had auditions mind you so she like did well at the audition but I guess they the key the they changed keys in the piano and oh, so she no. didn't adjust to the key signature oh, anyway no. so she sang out of tune or something she butchered it we were at, me, my friend, and my, and my friend who also performed in Town Show, and two other friends we were at uh, Islands afterwards. And she was there with her family. And she walks by, and we said, Good job. We lied straight to her face. Yeah. Anyone could come up to you and say, I'm, You're funny. And even if they did think you were funny, it's like they could say that to anybody. Right. But like, what I value more is like when someone comes up to me and go, Yo, that, that, like, I, I think uh, like what you said when they start a conversation yes that's what I value well because it's a, it's a true connection yeah you know like for me now like one of the coolest things that was said about after the show for me was it was so great to see Chicago Asians represented on stage in stand up comedy dope yeah cause you don't get to see it where it's all just all Asians yeah and just know that we're coming to get you're coming back and next time, I'm bringing my homies from L.A., Chicago. Yeah. Happy Filipino American History Month. And like I said, Crazy Funny Asians bringing you crazy stories. You tell your story, you tell our story. And Nathan's story is, I believe, so many of our stories out there. So many people, I believe, can empathize with your story. And that's why I wanted to have you on. That's why I wanted to share with your story. because, And also, I wanted to kind of like... Before homie blows the fuck up, like all the way blow up, I wanted to have him on the show so that that way you don't know, have so because then once once he blows all, we'll the way, see. The fuck Hopefully, up. I don't have another breakdown. <laughs> Yo, that might be another show. You good? <laughs> <laughs> that's my Ali Wong getting pregnant thing. Hey, bro, that'd I be just, great. I just have. All right, that's so fucked up. <laughs>